Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Thursday, October the 19th. And today we're going to chat with one of our favorite people, uh, Richard Baer of The American Thinker. Hi, Richard. How are you? I'm doing fine, Silvio. Nice to be back. Thank you very much. Uh, always great to have you. Uh, Richard, I had a fellow ask me a question the other day after we did our last interview. So I'll just ask you very quickly, not a long answer, but uh, how did American Thinker come about? Because, you know, I've had the, the opportunity to post some okay. things at the, at the American Thinker. And, you know, they must like me because the other day they let me post uh, about Reggie Jackson. Right. So they must like me over there. But, yeah, uh, the three home run game. I was. That's right. Yeah. Home. So they must like me over there. They give me a little more latitude. <laughs> well, I, I think, A, it's a, it's a good change of pace to not yes. always have depressing political stories. Well, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Sometimes we just need a break. But, but as, as far tell as me about the American Thinker and how it came about. People are curious. Yeah. Uh, well, it turns out that Tom Lifson, publisher, and I went to college together. And so we've been friends for, you know, 50 plus years. And uh, I had an email list. I was sending out regular items. I, you're on my list, so you get them yes, when I send right, them. Right, right. And um, that's the well, one I'm, that has trivia questions. Right. 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 And, and I usually get most of them. You're good. <laughs> and, and Tom had been uh, uh, been a consultant, as, a, as a, was I, but was looking to sort of move into something different. And he actually talked to me one day and he said, you know, you write these things out. How many people are on your mailing list? I said, I don't know, about 100 at the time. Now it's 1,000. And he said, you know what? You should have a bigger audience. We, we should get something together and create a site. You write, I write. You know, anybody else who's good can write. And we added a guy named Ed Lasky right at the beginning. And uh, the three of us pretty much covered a lot of the load for the first few months or year. Um, but it built because it, it's, a, it's kind of a, a populist site. It's not one where we pay the authors. It's not one where you were published because of prestige. It was because you had something to say that people thought would be an interesting take on that day's right. news. Yeah. No, it, it, it is very popular. It is very popular. I, um, as I mentioned to you the last time, I very often, I have reconnected with high school friends mm -hmm. because of American Same Thinker. Same here. Um, you know, people will send me an email saying, is that you Same who wrote one. the American Thinker? And I said, well, probably because I think I'm the only person with that name in the country. So there aren't that many people with my name. So it's right. got to be me. But 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 anyway, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. And oh, sure. it's so informative. I mean, there are... Articles on the left on the left hand side, those are very long articles written right. by a lot of very interesting people. And on the right side, it's more of the current the events, blogs. blogs, and which is where I usually end up. And and it's it's just a, a great pleasure. But I know now I know now I know how it uh, how it started. You and and Thomas, who by the way I had the pleasure of meeting right he about a year or so ago. He came to the Dallas area, and we had a chance to go out to dinner. What a great guy. what a wonderful guy he is. He also made a extremely good wine selection mm -hmm. when we <laughs> so if you ever if you ever see him tell him that the wine was really good that we had that <laughs> that night with our italian dinner well getting into some of the serious stuff there's obviously uh stuff going on in israel the president went to israel he's supposed to deliver a speech tonight about israel and ukraine uh, just in general what are your thoughts of of you know this horrific attack on Mm -hmm. on the Israeli uh, innocent, uh, you know, just in general, your whole reaction to what's right. happened there for the last couple of weeks, Richard. Okay. 
I mean, I, I was born after the Holocaust. Uh, my parents are both from Europe and fled Poland and Germany because of anti-Semitism and thought they'd have a better opportunity in the U.S. So I, I have read about stuff that happened, but hadn't felt it viscerally like I did in the last two weeks. Because what happened on October 7th is nothing short of a massacre. It was a slaughter. It was killing the maximum number of people they could, uh, and they did. Uh, and they did it in the most horrific fashion, which I think was designed to let the Jews in Israel and really the Jews anywhere in the world begin to accept the concept that they are not safe, that Israel doesn't make them safe, they're not safe anywhere else, we can come and get you. And when even in the United States, groups on college campuses are immediately issuing statements saying that this slaughter was justified because of the occupation. So because of a political disagreement, you're allowed to commit mass murder. So, I mean, it's something that Israel has to obviously establish its deterrence again. So this can never happen again. And the easiest way to do that is to eliminate essentially the murderous group, which is unfortunately not as unpopular as some people in the media would like to suggest that it's always a few thousand militants. They're not even terrorists. And the rest of the population are their victims. Well, no, there are lots of people in, in Gaza who supported Hamas in elections. They volunteer for them. They're the ones who are happy to locate wherever they are, wherever God, you know, wherever Hamas places them. And sure, there are some innocent victims because they're placed near weapon sites or other or rocket launching sites. But uh, this is a lot broader. There's nobody in Gaza who is a friend of Israel. And there's nobody in Gaza at this point who is not an anti-Semite because they all believe essentially that the re ultimate responsibility for their cult, for their state is the Jewish state. And so uh, obviously they share Hamas's vision of an Israel that's eliminated, even if they may not be all killers themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an absolutely horrific situation. I, I couldn't believe, especially that music festival. I mean, I how crazy, I mean, how sick can you be? To, to kill a bunch of young people and rape a bunch of young women. You mentioned something very interesting that I had not heard it before, but I suspected that this was the case, and, and that is that this is intended to terrorize the Jewish people. But it isn't just in Israel. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, I'm hearing from friends in Latin America that many of the Jewish centers, like in Mexico City, where I'm very familiar with that, there's a huge, uh, like a country club, Jewish country club, mm -hmm. or uh, it's a fantastic place. It has a, a huge following. And, you know, they're very concerned about something happening there. And you recall what happened in Argentina. Sure. Um, so there twice, are... Twice in Argentina. That's right. And so there are Jewish communities in these Jewish centers all around the world. And, and I think this is also part of their sick uh, right. mentality here is that they want to say, you know what, if you have a Jewish center in your country you're a target for terrorism too. Right. So it's, I think you're right. I think it's mental, what do they call it? Men psychological warfare yeah. or whatever they call it. I think that's a big part of this and it's sick, yeah. but you got to deal with it. And the only way, in my opinion, that you deal with it is you have to really, I hope they really hit Hamas this time. I really hope they do. Right. I mean, one of the um, uh, pieces of evidence about what happened and what is meant to happen was uh, how the Palestinians and Hamas 
dealt with the misfire yesterday of an Islamic Jihad rocket. First of all, the, no hospital was hit. It landed in a parking lot. And yet within 10 minutes, Hamas is saying there are 500 dead from an Israeli strike. So really, they rounded up 500 bodies in 10 minutes. What this was intended to do was to basically make sure that any purpose that Israel would have by going in because of all the terrible things that happened to them was now moral equivalence because they've committed war crimes. So let's just get a ceasefire now and move on with our lives or deaths, as the case may be. Um, And the fact that so many in the American media just lapped this story up, immediately ran with it. And it's not just the usual suspects like the AP and Reuters and the BBC and the New York Times and NPR and PBS. The Wall Street Journal had headlines with the same kind of thing. And today, if you read the New York Times, you have this lengthy, well, it could be this and it could be that. No, they just can't apologize. They can't say they ran with a BS story because it fit their purposes. And their purpose is to keep Israel from attacking, to basically make sure that the Palestinian groups, terror groups in this case, are preserved because they care about civilian casualties. Right. That's what they'd like you to believe, but I don't think that's what it's, what's at heart here. You know, Richard, the minute that I heard about this hospital, um, it was the night that the Phillies were playing, so that's why I remember switching okay. channels. And and I, I, that was the my first reaction was, man, that was quick. These videos coming, apparently they hit the hospital five minutes ago and they've already got ambulances and people. Right. So my my initial reaction was to be very skeptical of it, uh, thinking they must have these videos in store for these situations that they dig up, you know, and, and show. But the other reason that I was skeptical of it is because here in the Dallas area, I had the opportunity to office, uh, have an office in the same building with a gentleman who's a CPA who had been a pilot in the Israeli Air Force, you know, 15, 20 years ago when he was a younger man. And we were talking about it one day and he said, when we're sent on a mission, we are given specific instructions not to drop bombs if we see children. Mm-hmm. And the Israelis do go out of their way to prevent- uh, to distribute leaflets, you know, yes. before they even attack a building to let people- That's right. The, the other thing too that, that just fascinates me and angers me is how quickly everybody goes into this proportional response right. thing. And I, I frankly, the other day I got so fed up with that. I happened to be watching this fellow from England, and he said, you know, everybody likes to talk about proportion. Maybe the Israelis should drop 5,000 missiles three consecutive nights mm-hmm. on Gaza. Then they should find the music festival and kill all the people and rape all the young women. And then to really make it proportional, find themselves a small town and kill everybody living there. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be proportional. Obviously, the Israelis wouldn't right. do that. But this whole thing of proportion is so ridiculous. Also, it completely ignores even our American history. Right. I mean, one of the reasons the North won the Civil War was because the North had a much larger population base, a much larger army, and was willing to sacrifice more of its people to win. I mean, then because they, they thought at some point the South wouldn't be able to match them. Right. In World War II, we weren't being proportional when we went into Nagasaki and Hiroshima and dropped atomic bombs. We were trying to save American lives. Right. That would have been lost in an invasion. So 
the, the proportionality works only when you think you're on the side that's getting hit too hard. Right. And you know, it, there's no equation that says you have to lose as many as the guy you're fighting. No. If once you have been attacked and you're fighting a defensive war, your goal is to win. Right. And no, you're right. That's the only objective. Yeah. You mentioned the Civil War. I don't think Ge General Sherman would have taught any class about proportion at the War College because, I mean, you look at out of proportion. I mean, some people will argue that some of the things he did were he was trying to win the war. I know they were trying to break the back right. of the Confederacy. But now the president went to Israel mm -hmm. and I'm 100 percent in agreement that we should show our support. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was a good idea to send President Biden because to put him in a flight for seven hours to go to Tel Aviv, I mean, that would be difficult for a 45-year-old man mm -hmm. to, to do that, let alone a man like President Biden. So I thought it was a mistake. I thought he looked awful during the trip. Mm -hmm. He looked tired. Frankly, I would be too if I had to take a trip like that. But, you know, I, I just thought it was a mistake that it would have been better to send a delegation maybe the vice president, the heads of the Senate and the House or whatever, and do a delegation. And you're sending the same message, but you're not putting right. President Biden through that very physical trip. So I thought it was a mistake. What did you think? Yeah, well, everybody's going to make a visit now. The governor of California is going tomorrow, Gavin Newsom. The governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, went yesterday. Six senators went, I think three from each party. The Secretary of Defense had been there. The Secretary of State had been there. So it's not as if we're not showing the flag, we're not showing our support if Biden hadn't gone. I mean, if he makes a statement in the United States and, you know, they can get him to follow the script and, you know, give him a hand pointer or something so he can read it accurately, that's that works fine. But I tend to agree with you that right now, one of the reasons Israel's being tested and the United States is being tested is because people suspect are the leaders not all there doesn't have essentially the fortitude that a Kennedy had during the, the, the Cuban Missile Crisis or LBJ had or Reagan had or even Bush had after 9-11. Oh, uh, yes. so, I mean, you need to be able to, to talk a certain language, but look the part. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm personally not a fan of having a president who have reached age 80 in general. Um, and I think the job drains people. You look at anyone who served as president, if they serve four years, doesn't look like they only aged four years by the time they're done. And, you know, this guy is going to be 81 and wants to run for re-election. I mean, I'd be putting money on some of America's opponents right. you know, if, based on what, what I'm seeing. So I, I tend to agree with you that it's just, it's a bad look, but I think there was a purpose. And part of the purpose was to delay the Israeli invasion. Right. As long as there are people on the ground today, you got the British ambassador, you know, the British prime minister. No one's going to launch an attack with a major Western leader there because right. it looks like they're approving that attack. So I, I think part of this is the delay, which allows them more pressure to seek humanitarian assistance and to do other things they want to get done. Well, so the if the Israelis uh, stop visitors maybe that's a good sign that the ground invasion is, is going <laughs> to be starting to... <laughs> seriously yeah i agree I, no, I think you're right i think that's what they're doing they're 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 saying to israel you know don't do it yet because we have a visitor now i thought president biden uh, invited two very not they're not people but eisenhower and ford 
the two aircraft carriers, that's that is a pretty strong presence right. or a pretty strong message. And I understand there may be a third one coming. So that kind of leads me to my next point. And that well, is well, one comment on that. Yeah, please. There's some argument that those uh, aircraft carriers had been stationed in the Persian Gulf. Now they're in the Eastern Mediterranean. So they are closer to where Israel might be fighting Hamas, but they're not closer to Iran. In mm-hmm. fact, they were closer to Iran before. And if you think about the most catastrophic way this can explode and become a, a more serious and ugly regional conflict, it's as if Iran gets into the battle or Hezbollah gets in the battle. And I think you need to send a message to them more than you need to send it to the Palestinians at this right. point. But yeah, I, I think the Israelis can handle the, the, the Gaza war. That too. part they can handle quite It'll well. be ugly and be lots of casualties, but... But they, I think they can handle it. It'll be, yeah. like you say, casualties. But when you get into Iran, that's where the United States might have to get... Uh, might have to get involved. But I just think overall it was a bad idea to send President Biden in this condition. Right. Uh, because I thought some of the press conferences and he just looked, I, I mean, mean, it's sad to see him like Down that. the stairs of, you know, from the, from his yeah. plane. I mean, you, you're nervous each step of the way. So. Right. But, you know, in all fairness to people who are 81, <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> I don't think it's so much his age anymore it's, as it is his deterioration because i have to tell you when my father my father was 89 when he passed away when he was 81 he was sharp mm-hmm. he was very sharp yeah now he was not as sharp as he was when he was 30 or 40 sure. or 50 or even 60 right. but his mind was very sharp and i think what we're seeing here is not so much his age but a Mental deterioration. yeah i think so i think overall the, the entire it's the old expression about the elevator not going to the top floor that's kind of what we're seeing here, which is very scary when you consider who would take over, right? If uh, if he wasn't uh, wasn't around. Well, let me ask you a, a couple of quick political questions. Uh, the speaker, the speaker of the house, big controversy on the speaker of the house. Now, for the record, I've said this before, so it's not a shock to anybody who has read my pieces at American Thinker or who has watched these videos. I think it was a brutal mistake to get rid of McCarthy. Not that McCarthy was perfect, but I just think that the timing of all of this was stupid. Uh, mm-hmm. And then to, to have to go through these daily votes and nobody gets a majority, just absolutely stupid. Yeah. They look stupid at a time when what they need to be doing is trying to increase their majority. Right. That's what they need to be doing, seeing how they can grow their majority. So anyway, that's my two cents on that. How, how did you react to all of yeah, these? I, uh, I, I complete, completely agree. First of all, I, I was not a huge McCarthy fan before he got elected, but I thought he did a, a pretty decent job given a very slim majority. And, you know, whereas Pelosi has kind of iron control over her caucus, the Democrats simply don't stray. Republicans aren't like that. It's more of a dogs versus cats phenomenon. And, you know, what were these eight people trying to accomplish? I mean, what did they expect would follow that would be better for their side and essentially improve their chances of running a better house, passing better legislation, doing whatever it is that, that's on their playbook. Uh, it didn't. It just makes the party look like they can't get its act together. Why give them a majority if you can't even elect someone to lead you? Right. And, and given the political trends next year, a couple of these decisions on redistricting in Alabama, uh, conceivably in South Carolina, uh, 
New York State may wind up having a redistricting. Democrats are going to have a bit of an advantage. They may have a playing field, which is four or five seats more favorable than they had last time. The only state where Republicans may have a slightly better environment is North Carolina, which is doing its own redistricting. But Republicans are going to have a big gun to their head as far as winning the House next time. And, you know, there are issues like abortion, which is still hurting the party and suburban districts and especially among women. And so, the, you know, they have their work cut out for them. Why add sort of self-destructive tendencies to the mix? It just didn't make yes. any sense. No, I agree. I, th- I think it was absolutely stupid. I, w- I was telling a friend the other day because he was saying that McCarthy hadn't done anything. And I said, well, look, let's look at the reality. He's got a majority of about less than 10. So if he gets anything through, it dies in the Senate. And if by whatever chance it passes the Senate, it'll get vetoed and they don't have this two thirds. So it's like, it seems to me when you have that political situation, what you try to do is you try to move the ball forward any way you can. So try to cut a deal, try to do this and try to move the ball forward and think about 2024. And then you pick up the House again, you pick up the Senate, where I do think prospects are good. Mm-hmm. And then you try to win the presidency. And that leads me to the other political question. I don't know what this means, but it, it looks like the more they throw at Trump, the stronger he gets. Uh, this man is literally right now, if you if you look at all this RCP average, he's one point ahead of, of Biden right now, if you look at all these polls. Uh, that is usually good news for the Republican because that means that, I mean, that's how Bush won. That's how Trump won. Bush two times, actually. And so you you would think that given how unpopular Trump is supposed to be and all the problems he's having, that he would be five, six, seven points down. But no, there's almost like a feeling that, that I mean, I don't know. I almost see sympathy toward Trump. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I, I think there are two things going on. The first is, that within the Republican Party race, the more they come after Trump and the more Republicans think that he's being mistreated, that it's a, a unique standard of justice applied to him that has never existed before with any other candidate, he sort of marshals support and gets stronger in the Republican Party. I think the Republicans have some good alternative candidates. But at this point, if you're 40, 50 points ahead, absent some catastrophic error, uh, he looks like he's rolling toward a nomination, assuming he's not locked up before that. But the second part of it is, as he becomes more popular among Republicans, especially hardcore Republicans, his ratings among independents and those who are sort of moderate in the political center has dropped. And I think he's running, you know, approximately even with Biden, even slightly ahead of him in some polls. But it's against Biden. And the Democrats are ruthless, unlike the Republicans, who are now a party sort of dominated by Trump. The Democrats are not dominated by Biden. Biden is sort of their tool, which who they used to get elected because they thought he was anodyne and nobody would nobody hates Joe Biden. Old Scranton Joe taking Amtrak to work. Good guy watching his son's porn videos. Excuse me. Don't know about that one. But the Democrats, I think, will pull Biden in a heartbeat if they think he will go down to Trump. And there are Democrats waiting in the wings. Why is Gavin Newsom going into Israel? (laughs) 
Why is he doing a debate with uh, DeSantis on, on the Hannity show? He's trying to get national exposure. Right. I mean, Pritzker, my governor, uh, is, is also thinks he's in the mix. Uh, though that would be a super heavyweight division in his case. But the well, in uh, his case, physically, right? Literally yeah. heavyweight, right? <laughs> <laughs> Whitmer, you know, from Michigan, she's yeah. she's antsy too. Democrats will find somebody, and right. uh, my guess is if they dump Biden and replace him, Democrats going to win easily. Hmm. Interesting, That's my fear against Trump, you mean against Trump, against but, Trump, yeah. But Trump Biden is a toss up. Yeah. Well, I don't think he is running for re-election, but that's just my opinion, just by yeah. looking at him physically. Right. If I was the first lady, I would say, look, enough is enough. Let's mm -hmm. go back to Delaware. Because I, I would, I don't know, if I cannot believe that any family member of Joe Biden can look at this trip to Israel and feel like, wow, our dad is really, we're it's proud of our mind. dad. I mean, it's just awful, that, uh, that trip. I'm sure you remember how Mrs. Reagan used to Make Very sure that that Ronald Reagan had a had a good schedule and all of that. I'm kind of surprised that this is uh, not happening here. Well, Richard, my goodness, every time we get together, the time flies. I look at the clock and there must be a different clock when you speak to me because it seems to go faster. But I, I want to thank you so much and for for being a part of it today. Thank you for your answers and your participation. And I hope the Rangers win tonight. I'm gonna that's for another show. I don't have a, a horse in that race, but because you do, I'm going to root for them. All right, good. So that's two votes for the Rangers. So that should be good. That should be good tonight. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks very much. Always a pleasure, Sophia. Thank you so much. Uh, our good friend, uh, Richard Bayer of the American Thinker, uh, I was very happy that he gave us that little explanation there uh, about the history of the American Thinker. I, I had heard the story, but I'm glad that uh, – that Richard confirmed it uh, today. I thought his points on on the political situation and the Israeli situation and the reaction to uh, these uh, incredible, horrific uh, acts of violence in, in the Middle East were absolutely, absolutely excellent. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.